Dear friends in Christ, we're approaching a time that meteorologists call the hurricane storm season. And as we had experience from hearing in the news last week and also even maybe from family or friends over on the East Coast, we see that storms come in a variety of shapes and forms. And the Caribbean, that was hit with tropical storm, Isiasis, and then you know, it got to hurricane strength after it bypassed Florida and Georgia and then uh, went up the East Coast on the way toward New York City and other populated areas. And so often we see the devastation from storms of property damage, power losses, and injuries and fatalities that can also happen. On top of that, the areas that affected have been dealing with the COVID virus. And that made shelters and other facilities even more dangerous than before. And what about what happened this week over in Beirut, Lebanon? That was a storm, too. Looked like a windstorm, and if you saw the, the videos and the shockwaves from that, 135 people died. There were thousands who were injured, and about 300,000 who were displaced, including 80,000 children. That was half of the population of Beirut that don't have homes anymore and can't get back in for a minimum of at least two weeks. Whether it's events like hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, fires, or explosions, all of these storms, they bring up a common response from the people who go through them. And that response is, why me? Lord, why did you allow me to go through this storm? Why did my house get flooded when someone else who isn't as good as me, their houses are dry? Why was my house leveled when there are people who don't even think about you and their houses are standing? In a real sense, every day is hurricane season for us in our life because we go through some types of spiritual atmospheric disturbances. We go through these difficulties and the question most of us ask is, why? Well, today I want to give you five principles on how to deal with the storms in your life. Principle number one, do what the Lord tells you to do. Pretty simple, right? Well, our sermon text from our gospel reading we just read and heard, it picks up right after the miracle, the feeding of the 5,000. The Bible says that at the completion of that event Jesus told his disciples to get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he was dismissing the crowd. It was understood that Jesus was going to meet them on the other side. The disciples did what the Lord had told them to do, and on their way to the other side, they ran into a windstorm. And the Bible says that the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. They were doing exactly what God told them to do. They were exactly where God wanted them to be. And the Bible says that the boat was being tossed about, buffeted by the waves. Too many of us, when we face our many difficulties in life, we try to find out what caused the storm in our lives. Lord, I don't know what I'm going through. Why am I going through this right now? Well, let's see, Lord. No, I stopped doing that. I used to do that. I don't do that anymore. 
I don't see that person anymore. Lord, you forgave me for that. We've been conditioned to associate difficulties in our lives with disobedience. We don't say it, but we live as if being a Christian gives us a detour around difficulties. We live as if when the Holy Spirit had created a faith in us, that we got some kind of card from God that says, you will be exempt from all trials and tribulations in your life from this time forth and forevermore. Well, we know that doesn't happen, right? We should also remember that disobedience, it can put you into the storm, too. But this verse says that you can do exactly what God wants you to do. You can do exactly where he wants you to be and find yourself in a storm. Look at the next three verses. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus said immediately to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. The evening before, they were walking about. They got into the boat. They cast off. The storm was raging, and the Bible says that it was the fourth watch of the night between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., around that time. In the midst of the storm, Jesus was going to them, but they didn't recognize him. They said, it's a ghost, and they were afraid. Why were they afraid? Well, basically two things. The first one is pretty obvious, and I think you know. They had never seen anyone walking on water before. Secondly, there was also the Jewish folklore that says that whenever a storm was raging on the sea, that it was the devil and his demons who were upset and mad. It was seen to be a form of demonic activity that was being exercised through nature. Principle number two. Don't get so focused on the storm that you lose sight of Jesus. Don't ever get so focused that you lose sight of the Lord. Some of us get so caught up in a storm that we do lose sight of Jesus. We don't recognize that God is trying to talk to us. Many times God brings storms into our lives to speak to us in such a way that we'll hear him when we don't hear him when things are calm. And when things are going well and you're going on in your life, it seems God almost has to call or set up an appointment with you. Well, we know that when storms are raging, you're down on your knees. You're saying, no, I don't want to eat anything right now. I just need to pray. Uh, I don't need any water. I've got to pray. Why? Because storms get our attention. Jesus says, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Have a good attitude. I'm here for you. You don't need to have any worries. When Jesus says, it is I, that's the most comforting phrase to any Jewish believer. Because that phrase in the original language literally means, I am. I am that I am. That's the same phrase that God had used when Moses had met him on Mount Sinai. The problem at that time with the children of Israel was not a lack of understanding about what God can do. Their problem was they forgot who God was. They had been in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. The patriarchs were dead. And God said to Moses, tell Pharaoh and them that I am sent you. And because they know who I am, 
then they know what I can really do. Let me see if I can help explain that to you in today's terms. Let's say that we're going to start a basketball game and a guy walks in, nobody knows who he is, but he's tall, and we say, hey, you've got some height on you. Can you play ball? And he responds, I play a little bit. And we say, well, can you dribble? Can you shoot? Can you jump? Can you dunk? And he says, yeah, I can dunk. And we say, okay, great. Well, we're going to have a practice at the rec center Saturday at noon. So why don't you meet us there and we'll find out what kind of game you have. Now, we don't know who that person is. We don't know whether he can play or not. And we've got to find out what he can do. Okay, let's say the same guy walks in, someone points to him and says, that's LeBron James. Nobody asks if he can dribble. Nobody asks if he can jump. Nobody asks, can you dunk? Why? Because we already know who he is. And as a result, we know what he can do. In our gospel text, somebody here had forgotten who God is. And when Jesus goes to those disciples in the midst of the storm, you know what he's basically saying to them? It's, I'm going to meet you in your storm. Even in our times today, you've got some troubles in your life. You've got some things that you just can't handle. But I am is on your side. Whenever you're going through whatever you're facing, I am is in the midst of them. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It could be family or personal. It could just be financial, perhaps. It could be something that's involving other people. Whatever you're facing, God is on your side, and he's saying, don't worry about what I can do. Just know who I am. Starting in verse 27, Jesus says, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, well, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus says, and Peter gets out of the boat, walks on the water, and comes toward Jesus. Peter was on the boat with the other disciples when Jesus spoke to him. And Peter, being his usual confident self, says, Well, Lord, if it's you, then tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come on. Peter got out of the boat, starts walking to Jesus. Now, who went with Peter? Nobody. He went by himself. You know, you would have thought someone would have said, hey, Peter, wait up. You know you're not going to go out there by yourself, man. You don't know who that really is, who says that he's Jesus. No, Peter went out by himself. What's the point? Well, that leads us to principle number three. You won't do anything great for God if you don't get out of the boat. You've got to be willing to leave the boat people behind you. There are boat people in every church. They don't want to do anything great. Boat people will say, I've never seen it done before. That's boat talk. And those who are the ones who scorn others, they're the ones who sit in the boat. Folks who are backbiting or gossiping are boat people. Don't let boat people turn you around. Don't let boat people get in your way. 
We'll never be able to do what God wants us to do for him, individually or even collectively, unless we make up our minds to get out of the boat. Those in the boat will pressure you to do wrong when you know what it is to do right. Those in the boat will challenge that passion that you have, that vision that God has given you. The boat, it represents our flesh. The boat being there really represents the survival of me. The only person who could have stopped Peter from getting out of that boat was Peter himself. What are you doing, or what will you do, to live for the glory of God? Are you willing to leave behind people in the boat in order to do that? You could say, well, that may take a leap of faith. Well, in the cartoon, there was a pastor who shared with his congregation, he says there at the bottom, I've stopped expecting you to make leaps of faith, but it would be nice to see a hop now and then. On a more serious note, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he definitely grasped the meaning of what was taking place here with Peter. And in Dr. King's words, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. Good words. The Bible says that Peter went down and he walked toward Jesus. You have to be willing to walk alone to do great things for God. And then something dramatic happens in verse 30. But when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, crying out, Lord, save me. Peter got out of the boat and he did something great for the glory of God. But he took his eyes off of Jesus and he looked at his own circumstances, his own situation here. And he began to sink and he cries, Lord, save me. That phrase, Lord, save me, is in the extreme passive voice. And that implies that Peter tried on his own to save himself, and he couldn't. Peter was a fisherman. Tradition says that Peter's father was a fisherman. Now, nobody grows up in a house full of fishermen on those big boats dragging the nets and working around water without knowing how to swim. But in spite of his own efforts, Peter sank, and he cries, Lord, save me. And as a result, we get principle four. In a storm, God will reveal to us that we're not all that we think we are. You know what God will do in a storm? He'll reveal to you that what you thought was your greatest strength is really your anchor that's going to cause you to sink. God will show us that we're not all that we thought we were. Now, you do know that we have a tendency to think that we're better than we are, don't you? Okay, so I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the person next to you. Yeah, we know we've got a tendency to think more highly of ourselves than we should. Maybe we've achieved some earthly level of proficiency in a particular subject, and we think that we've got everything we can do to handle life. Well, do you think that Peter had cried out, Lord, I tried to save myself. I found myself unable to handle the currents and the waves that are coming at me right now. And so I realize now that I need somebody to help me who has more strength than I, who's outside of me, who can come and intervene on my behalf. 
Peter didn't say that. He didn't have time for dialogue. All he could say was immediately, Lord, save me. The storm will put you in a position where you will stop taking yourself so seriously and stop taking God so lightly, and you'll cry out for help. Enter our last principle, number five. God will save us in the midst of our storms. Our last three verses tell us immediately Jesus reached out his hand and he caught Peter. You have little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when Jesus and Peter climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat, they worshipped Jesus saying, truly you are the Son of God. Jesus was saying to Peter, all you needed was a little faith. And you didn't even keep that much. Why did you doubt? You had already started, Peter. You had already gotten out of the boat. You were already walking on water. Why did you doubt? Well, there's a good number of persons who doubt God's love for them. They doubt that God cares for them. They doubt that God has their best interest at heart. They doubt even that God knows what he's doing. And that's why they are always trying to help God out. They may say, well, God, I told you that I needed somebody, but you haven't provided for me, so let me just go get somebody else for myself. Let me help you, God. You know that I needed more. You know that I needed better. So God, let me help you out. Well, Jesus, he challenged Peter to know who Peter is and is not. Jesus saved him. Now look at verse 32. The wind didn't stop until after they got in the boat. You know what part of the problem is in our lives? When we look at our lives, we want God to stop the storm and then to save us. Because we think that stopping the storm is a requirement in order for God to move into action. But God doesn't have to stop anything to do what he's going to do. How did Jesus and Peter get back in the boat? We really don't know. The Bible doesn't say that. And it doesn't matter because the same God who gives you directions that leads you into a storm is going to be the same God who meets you in that storm. He's the same God who will deliver you out of your storm, and he'll be the same God who will walk you through your storm. God doesn't have to stop the storm. He can come right in the midst of it and walk with you right through your storm in life. Matthew concludes that those who were in the boat worship Jesus, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Didn't they know who he was before? We don't see God like we need to see him, perhaps until we need to go through a storm. And when you go through the storms in life, God gives you a picture of him that maybe you never had before. Somebody said it like this, If I never had a problem, I wouldn't know that God could solve them. The disciples didn't praise Jesus. They worshipped him. Praise is telling God and others about what God has done, how good God is. 
But when you worship him for who he is, that's what you and I do. That's what the disciples did. They said, truly, you are the Son of God. It's through the storm that we see God for not what he can do, but for who he is. And when you know who he is, then you'll know what he can do. Let's pray about that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for blessing us this day, for calling us to be your children, for enabling us to see you. And we pray, Lord, that we do not doubt your presence, your power, your strength. We know the power of your love. That sent your own son all the way to the cross. Talk about storms. But yet, he got through that because there's an empty grave. Jesus is alive. And whatever storms we go through, Lord, even if that storm causes an end to life here, we still have the confidence of knowing that we will get through that because there's the joys of heaven ahead. Lord, as we go through all the storms here, especially during these days, may we not take our eyes off of you. Keep us focused on Jesus because he walks with us each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.